day is a hard day. A day that we remember and a day that we mourn the loss of those who were so brave uh, to sacrifice their own life for our freedom. And we don't ever want to forget that sacrifice, that price that has been paid for us. But today I want to kind of um, lean into that a little bit and focus in on uh, Mark as we wrap up this study. You finished your Bible study this morning as you wrapped up the end of the book of Mark. We've been on a journey all spring through this book as we've discovered what it means to follow Jesus. And today we're going we're gonna to end that study together and look forward to what God has in store for us this summer. But I want to connect Mark and Memorial Day well. For many of you, Memorial Day is every day. It's a day where you mourn every day, the loss of loved ones, of fathers, of sons, of family members. And we don't ever want to forget that, but what does that have to do with Mark? Um, Let's pray. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. I know you guys were in 15, 16 today. We're going to go back to chapter 1 today and look at really one verse. Um, But let's pray before we do that, and then we'll jump into the Word of God together this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the day you've given us. Father, for the baptism that we've had. The incredible opportunity we have to gather over and over again at the waters and celebrate new life. And as we remember this weekend the prices, the price that has been paid for our freedom, I pray that we would never forget that and we would live every day in light of the fact that someone has given it all for us. How true that is for our Christian life as well. And I pray that as we open your word this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us the wisdom that we do not have. Equip us with the courage and the strength Uh, that we so desperately need to live the Christian life today. Father, speak to us and move in our midst. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I've got a little friend to help me out this morning. Anybody know what this is? It's an hourglass, so I'm going to make a deal with you, okay? I'm going to flip this dude over, and I will quit when the sand runs out, okay? Regardless of where I am in the message. Time is a precious thing, is it not? Now, we try to control it. We try to dictate our calendars by it. We can schedule well and effectively. But how many of you have completely grasped control over time? Anyone? No. Uh, For example, this weekend has been a crazy weekend. We had three graduations in two days, and I haven't flipped it yet. Have you figured that out yet? I'll go ahead and flip it. We had three graduations in two days, which took us from here to Texas and back. And yesterday was kind of case in point on time. Uh, We checked out of the hotel yesterday morning, getting ready to head back after some family time. And uh, the the tire pressure light came on in the car. And I had a choice to make. Do we try to make it home or do we get it fixed? So anyway, I found my way to a tire shop and spent a good three hours there while family visited and had a cookout and finally got on the road headed home that long drive and uh, we got home around 9 30 last night and got a phone call that uh, I was needed at the ER so I spent uh, went to the ER about 9 30 and was there till about 1 this morning so it's like well I cannot grasp control over time and you know what the Sabbath returns regardless church is here whether you're ready or not. That's just the way it goes. But we do that. We struggle with time. We think, today I'm going to do this. 
and then somehow time gets away from us, and we don't ever accomplish everything that we intended to accomplish. So as we study this, finish this study in the book of Mark, we discovered that there is so much depth in following Jesus, and we must respond to his call, we looked at that last week, by giving our all regardless of the cost. So let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 together. Verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. When we began this study of Mark, we were in this same section of Mark chapter 1 and we focused on that call to follow. But I backed up today and I want to look at this incredible statement that has been made by Jesus as he begins his ministry, as he came proclaiming the gospel, and he said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, therefore repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. There's four statements that we need to take note of here. Number one, the time is fulfilled. The proclamation is made by Jesus. This word translated time means favorable, opportune, or significant time. Here in Mark, it's referred to a time appointed by God for the fulfillment of His promises. The period of preparation, that of the ancient Israelites and that of John was complete. It's over, and the divinely appointed time has come. The prophecies were going to be fulfilled now in Jesus Christ. Everything that Israel had been looking forward to is arrived on the scene now in the person of Jesus Christ. The time is fulfilled. The appointed time has come. The critical moment in the history of the world is here. The time for waiting is over. Have y'all ever waited on something? We play the game now. Y'all ever play this game where you order something online and you like to track it and see when it's going to get here? We love that game, don't we? We just constantly refresh that tracking update to see when that package is going to arrive. If it doesn't arrive on time, we are upset about it, yes. Or if we miss that drop-off window. We do that with life, too. We look forward to a special event. I know growing up, I always counted down the days for that next youth trip or special occasion at church or a family activity. Y'all do that, too? Count down the days? I know a lot of the kids just did that with school. We counted down the days to the end of the school year. Teachers, I think you're in that boat, too. Some of you are still going, unfortunately. But here we learn, as Jesus declares, the time is fulfilled. We have to remember something, and we have to understand something. Something that I learned so true yesterday. God's time is not our time. Did you hear that? God's time is not our time. You know, we have an idea... Or we think we know what we should spend our time doing or what our time is made up of or even the lifespan of our years. But we don't know any of that. It's not ours to give. It's God's time. And we must understand as we look at Scripture here, we look at the impact of Christ's arrival and the preparation that was involved in that and the years of silence from God decades, the frustration from Israel, and then the Savior arrives, finally. We learn so true in this short statement that God's time is not our time. It's not. But we have to learn something. 
We so desperately want to dictate the time and circumstances of our lives, don't we? We want to be in control of that. We want control and we want it now. Here Jesus is announcing that the time is fulfilled, salvation and rescue has come. But we struggle with that, don't we? The Israelites struggled with that. Jesus arrived on the scene and there was no part of your celebration. They looked straight past him, didn't they? They didn't get it. They did not understand the time had arrived. We do that in our lives too, don't we? God presents opportunities for us to make an impact. He puts us in situations to do something great. And we become so quickly frustrated because that time that God has placed in front of us is not the time that we want. We get frustrated, mad, upset. When all the while we have to understand that we need to surrender ourselves to God's time. We, come, we all have to come to a point in our lives where we think, you know what, it's not my will, God, but it's your will. It's not my time, but your time. So therefore, God, I want to do with the time what you want me to do. So my question this morning is, how do you need to surrender to God's time today? Maybe you need to take your watch off and say, you know what, God, I'm tired of living for myself. I want to give my time back to you. What do you want me to do, God, with the time that I have? How much time are we guaranteed in life? Nothing except the next breath that you take. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? With that next breath, with that next moment? Are you going to hoard it for yourself? Use it for selfish gain? Or are you going to give it back to Jesus? We see what Jesus did, right? The example that he has given us. He says here very clearly at the beginning of his ministry, so much is going to be fulfilled through the life of Christ. That first statement, the time is fulfilled. And then what did he say after that? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The expression the kingdom of God appears 14 times in the book of Mark. In first century Judaism, it described a future earthly kingdom in which God through Israel would rule over the nations. That's what they were so desperately looking forward to. They wanted so desperately for God to come and announce His kingdom and for them to rule and reign with God. And we can see through the Old Testament they looked for fulfillment for fulfillment in that through a king. We see they so desperately asked God for a king, and God gave them what they wanted. And that's not really what they wanted, was it? No, that's what they got. Sometimes God gives us what we want, even though it's not for our good. And Mark here, when we talk about the kingdom of God, it refers to the present spiritual kingdom rather than a future earthly one. Therefore, the expression here refers to the kingly rule, the reign, the dominion, and the sovereignty of God in the hearts of the people. You see, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, the people's minds directly go to a rule and reign physically. But was that what Jesus was talking about? Absolutely not. We see in Luke 22 that the divine authority from the Father, was given to the Son to rule and reign. But the people didn't get it. They didn't understand what kind of reign that was going to be. It was not that physical reign to overcome the Roman oppression. But it was a different kind of reign. See, we learn here through this statement that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
We learn here through Jesus' life and how he fulfilled prophecy that God's way is not our way. Not only is God's time not our time, but God's way is not always our way. Don't we have a great idea of what we think should happen? Huh? We all have our opinions of how the world should be run, right? We sit back and we criticize our, our government officials. We criticize our, our state leaders. We criticize our parents and grandparents and nieces and nephews and say, I can't believe they're raising their kid that way. Did you just see what that person did? We're in line at Walmart and we're thumbing our nose or shaking our finger at what the person in line next to us is doing. We all have our idea of how the world should be run and we think our idea is the right one. But here in the fulfillments of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, we learn so clearly that God's way is not our way. God's way of salvation, God's way of reuniting creation with himself uh, is not the way we would have done it, is it? We so desperately want to remain in control of our destiny. We want to maintain our standing as the authority in our corner of the world. We want to be the king of our kingdom. But here we see Jesus is announcing the the arrival of a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we must surrender to God's kingdom today. You know, we have to come to a point in our time, not just when we say, God, I'm going to use the time wisely. And whatever time you give me, I'm going to give back to you. We've got to do that with the kingdom, too. We have to surrender to God's kingdom today. We have to surrender to God's kingdom. Now, I'm going to say a statement. Now, I don't want you to crucify me immediately. I want you to think about this. I'm all for patriotism. I'm all for nationalism. I'm all for remembering the sacrifices that have been made for us. And I fully support our soldiers and our government officials. I'm going to pray for them and encourage them. But there's a difference between our faith and our nationalism. Do you understand that? And we are not here to worship our country. We're here to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we're children of the kingdom of God, first and foremost, above our country. Now, I'm going to say something in a few minutes that's going to tie into that, but we have to understand our place in this world. We can put a flag in our sanctuary, and that's fine. But we're not here to worship our country. We're here to worship our Savior. And our focus, first and foremost, should be the kingdom of God. Now, we have a role to play in this process, and I'm going to share with that, that with you here in a moment. But we have to understand that fact today. That's what Israel struggled with so desperately. They wanted a nation state that could rule and reign and be independent of every other foe. They wanted a conquering country. We have that today. But how easily we slip and fall behind into our own idea of what a kingdom should be. So Jesus says the time is fulfilled, right? The time has arrived. It's time for what? The time is fulfilled. Then he says the kingdom of God is at hand. And then what does he say? The next word is repent. Repent. You see, we have to understand something. To be a part of the kingdom of God, something has to be dealt with first. Sin must be held accountable. We have to deal with this sin issue in our lives. You know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Scripture, but if we look at Genesis at the very beginning, we see that God created everything and it was good. 
It was good. Lane and I, are, are, we just started a Bible study. We're going to walk through Scripture and, and draw implications for our lives, for what it means to be a godly man. And we looked at Genesis 1 and 2, and we looked at God created everything. And when he created it, he said it was good. And God created man, and God gave man a purpose to be fruitful and multiplied. And when he created man, man was good and had a purpose and had a destiny in the kingdom of God to do something great. See, that's the way God created the world, to worship him, to dwell with him, to rejoice with him, to enjoy creation together. But we made a mistake. We chose our selfish ways. We turned from God. And we sinned. And since then, guys, life has never been the same. Because of the choice that has been made and that sin nature that dwells in all of us. And some of you think, no, I don't have that sin nature within us. Let's talk about that. We struggle with that, don't we? We all struggle with our selfish ways. I was having a conversation last night on what is sin and how does sin impact your life. It does. It doesn't matter how good we are, we still struggle with sin. And that sin separates us from Jesus Christ. And here Jesus is saying in this bold statement, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. Sin must be dealt with in order for us to be a child of God in his kingdom. Second Chronicles chapter 7 tells us, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You see, even though we turn from God, God so desperately wanted a relationship with us, and he was going to do anything to draw us back to him. Acts chapter 3 tells us, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. You see, Jesus, God's Son, came to this earth, gave up his standing in heaven, suffered and died for you. How could he do that? How could he take your place and pay for your sin? Because he lived the perfect life. And he died a horrible death. He paid that ultimate price, sacrificing himself for you so you could be reunited with God and dwell with him in that original creation. You see, since the beginning... God has been doing everything he can to draw you back to him. He even gave up his own son. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants a relationship with you. And here Jesus is saying, repent. Just turn from that sin and trust in me. And we see how he acted all throughout the book of Mark. And how he gave and how he taught us to live. And then at the end, we see how he sacrificed himself for us. He paid the ultimate price so we could be in relationship with him. You see, we must come to a point in our lives where we have to surrender to his will. Understanding the fact that God's time is not our time and God's ways are not our ways, we must resolve in our mind to say, you know what, I'm going to surrender to your will, God and give it back to you. I'm going to repent of my sins and turn back to you and let you have my life. So I have to ask you, what do you need to repent of today? 
You may think, you know what, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I'm like Parker, and I'm a follower of Christ, so I don't have to deal with this. No, you do, because we all need to repent today, don't we? We all have issues and struggles in our life that we need to give back to Jesus and say, God, I so desperately need help. How am I doing? Y'all keeping an eye on that hourglass? It's not quite an hour. Y'all know that. So we won't be here till 12, maybe. What do you need to repent of today? You know, the only way to follow Jesus and to enter his kingdom, the kingdom of God, is through repentance. Repentance and Look at the next statement. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. Now, I don't mean to shock you, but there is such thing as right. Y'all know that? Therefore, there is such thing as a wrong. Now, don't look at your spouse and say, I told you so. You're always wrong. We do that, don't we? There's such thing as a right, but there's also such thing as a wrong. You see, we see that so clearly in our world today, and we see people on one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle that struggle so desperately with right versus wrong. Who's right and who's wrong? And my opinion is better than your opinion. My ways are better than your ways. And then Jesus arrives on the scene and he says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe in the good news. You see, the only right is God's right. God's right. We see in Scripture the truth that we have to turn toward and away from something. We struggle with this sin issue. And we all have to come to a point in our lives, we looked at this last summer, where we have to decide whether or not we're going to live for ourselves or we're going to live for something else. We're struggling with sin and our selfish ways. And we have to get to a point where, you know, God, I'm going to give it back to you and I'm going to turn from my sin. That stuff that I'm struggling with and I'm so desperately dealing with in my life, I need to give it back to you and I need to turn away from that and I need to turn back to Jesus. And that's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to help you turn away from that sinful life that you're living, that stuff that you're struggling with, that sin issue that you're dealing with, Christian, that thing that you're hiding in your closet that you don't want anyone to see, that issue that you're so desperately trying to cover up and not let anyone know about. Jesus came and died for that issue so you could turn from that through His strength and His help. You can turn from that and leave it at the cross and follow Jesus. Jesus is declaring, he is proclaiming to the nation of Israel and to us today that the kingdom is here. The time has, of reign has come. Therefore, repent and believe in the good news. Trust in Jesus as your Savior, and life will never be the same. Romans chapter 10 tells us, because if you confess with your Mouth that who? Jesus is Lord. Parker did that so boldly this morning. Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It's that simple. 
believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that what the Bible says is true, and confess that with your mouth, and you will be saved. You'll be a child of the kingdom of God. John chapter 1 tells us, But to all who did receive him, who believed in this name, he gave the right to become children of God, to receive that inheritance of the Father. Don't you want to be a child of the King? Isn't that amazing? You know, growing up, we watch and we hear about kings and kingdoms and queens and royal families, and we dream about what it would be like to be a part of those families. But Jesus is saying in his word, I am the king of kings and lord of lords, and I want you to be a child in my kingdom if you would only believe and trust in me. Turn from your wicked ways and surrender to my will, and I will give you life, not just life, but I will give you the world. Mark chapter 16, you probably read it this morning or this week. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, we have to get to a point in our life where we make a decision. You can't ride the fence forever. Eventually you'll fall off. We have to come to a point in our lives where we realize, I have to make a decision on this issue. I'm either going to trust in Jesus as my Savior or I'm not. Now, here's the difference. You cannot believe in Jesus as the Savior, and you can go about your life and think this is a bunch of baloney. These Christians and people of faith are just crazy. Okay? Or you can trust in Jesus as your Savior and change the world. Now, you choose Jesus... And you could possibly have eternal life and be a child of the king. You don't choose Jesus and you run the risk of what? Eternal death. Separation from God forever. Now, which way do you want to lean? If you choose Jesus, it could change everything. If you don't, it could be the worst decision you ever make in your life. You see, if you believe in Jesus and you receive him as your Savior, we see in Scripture that we are promised the opportunity to become a part of his family. So my question for you this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus as your Savior? Jesus here says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe in the good news. And we see the way he lived and the way he died for us, the incredible impact that he's made. Do you believe in that Jesus? And have you received new life from him today? You know, we're at a critical point in our nation. And yes, we want to be patriotic and, and, and trust in the good that God has given us in our country. But we always have to place Jesus first. And if we're going to remain true to anything, it's here in the Scripture. We have to balance everything with Scripture. We have to make our decisions politically when we vote, when we support our leaders. We have to balance everything with Scripture. But Scripture commands us to pray for our leaders, does it not? To share our voice with our leaders. You see, guys, if any change is going to take place in our world, we see how our, our country and our even the entire 
leadership of our whole world has wandered from the faith. The only way to change that is within us, by being true to the Scriptures. We can change anyone and anything through the power of God, but we have to believe and trust and receive life through Him. The question that we're all faced this morning is, will you respond to the Master's call? Will you respond to the Master's call? Jesus here says very clearly, very clearly, the time is fulfilled, the time is now. For you, the time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. That reign is imminent. Jesus is coming soon. So the question is, have you repented and do you believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? And if you do, what are you doing about it? Are you seeking to make an impact on the world around you? Are you just sitting back on your thumbs and waiting for Jesus to come back? We know what Jesus would want us to do. We know what Jesus did. And we know what Jesus calls us to do. As we finish our study in this book, we've discovered that there's an incredible depth in the journey of following Jesus. Our call now is to respond and follow because the time is short and the kingdom of God is at hand. You know from the way the world is and the things that we struggle with that God's kingdom is at hand. Whether or not you're going to just soon be with the Lord, you pass on from this life and go to the next, or Jesus returns soon, you have to be ready. The kingdom of God is at hand. So this weekend, as we remember the price that has been paid for us, don't forget what Jesus did for you on the cross. And sometime this weekend, you need to answer this question. Do I believe? Do I believe? Am I a child of the kingdom? You know, we have our citizenship in this country because of the sacrifice, the price of that has been paid long ago. You have a greater opportunity to be a child of the kingdom because of a price that was paid long ago, Jesus on that cross. I'd rather be a citizen of that kingdom than this kingdom. So much greater wealth, so much greater blessing. Are you a child of the kingdom of God this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather and worship. As we celebrate the new life that we have in you and we worship your son Jesus for his sacrifice. Father, I pray that everyone here this morning will be able to answer that question. Yes, I am a child of the kingdom. Yes, I trust in Jesus as my Savior. Yes, I want to follow him and make a difference in our world. Father, I pray that we would move from being complainers and questioners to being mature followers who impact our world and make a difference in our communities through our calling in Jesus Christ. Father, you've given us everything we need. You've provided an example for us to follow, and I pray now that we would follow, that we would be diligent and obedient to your call in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen.